Hello and welcome to the Food Safety Dish, a production brought to you by the Local Food Safety Collaborative. I'm your host, Catherine Kavanaugh. The Local Food Safety Collaborative is a cooperative initiative established between the National Farmers Union Foundation and the FDA with the goal of providing training, education, and technical assistance to local food producers to ensure good food safety practices and compliance with the Food Safety Modernization Act. National Farmers Union is a grassroots farmer-driven organization that believes strong family agriculture is the basis for thriving communities. NFU's membership includes over 200,000 family farmers and ranchers across America. Farmers Union's grassroots structure promotes locally initiated policy priorities and educational topics established by their members. Learn more about National Farmers Union at www.nfu.org. Today, we will be talking about sanitizers, what they are, how to choose and use them wisely, as well as about additional tools and resources you can find to guide you in your applications. Billy, Haley, and I are joined by Donna Clements from the Produce Safety Alliance. Donna has worked with the Produce Safety Alliance since 2015, first as the Southwest Regional Extension Associate, and now as the PSA Coordinator and Northeast Regional Extension Associate. Based in Maryland, Donna's role with PSA is to offer training courses on the FISMA produce safety rule, provide technical assistance to growers and produce safety educators, and develop resources. Donna's specialty within the PSA has been developing resources on soil amendments and sanitizer use. Donna's involvement in the fresh produce industry began at a young age while working on her family's fruit and vegetable farm. She has experience in production, harvesting, post-harvest handling, and sales of perishable products. Donna received both her Bachelor of Science and Master's of Science degree in plant science from the University of Maryland. Donna, welcome to the Food Safety Dish. We're so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, Billy and Haley, I'm really excited to join you all and talk a little bit about sanitizers. Yeah, so happy to have you, Donna, sanitizer expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I would say that, but... <laughs> Specialist, at least. Yes. And thanks, Billy and Haley, for being a part of it as well. So happy to be here. Excited to be talking sanitizers with you all. Sweet. So, Donna, the first question, just to cover the basics, can you talk about what is a sanitizer? How does it work? And when and why are they important to use? Okay. So, that's a, I think that's a really good starter question. So when we talk about sanitizers, normally what we're talking about are also products called antimicrobial pesticides. And these are generally substances that are going to reduce the amount of microorganisms to a certain level. So sanitizers come in a couple of different ways. You can have physical sanitizing devices. So that might be something like a UV light, sometimes a filter, and that's going to provide some kind of physical barrier or physical means of killing off microbes such as pathogens. And then we also have sanitizer chemicals. And usually when we generally say the word sanitizers, we're usually talking about chemicals. This could be um, something like a household bleach. This could be other products called praxeacetic acid. But I just kind of wanted to set that right up front that usually when we say sanitizers, I'm going to be today talking more on the chemical side of things because I find on farms, those tend to be more practical and just easier to use um, on most operations. So usually we are going to be using sanitizers to reduce the number of microorganisms. Um, So because we're talking food safety, uh, that's generally going to be pathogens. So uh, you might hear me talk a little bit about E. coli 0157H7, Listeria monocytogenes, Salmonella enterica. You know, when you hear food safety issues in the media or whatnot, a lot of those are going to be some of the microorganisms that they reduce. But I also want to say that sanitizers will also reduce other microbes. So um, those could be microorganisms that cause like rot in post-harvest produce, like botrytis. I'm thinking about like gray mold on your strawberries, things like that. So we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's sort of the general definition of sanitizers. We'll talk a little bit more about how they work when we get to some of the different types of sanitizers, but why are they necessary? Because we're talking about food safety, I guess I'll focus more on the food safety reasons. 
And normally when we think about a farm, uh, sanitizers are used for a couple of different purposes. We can see them being used to help treat and sanitize food contact surfaces. So if you think about uh, your harvest bins or even like your packing table or your harvest knives or harvesting implements, something that's a hard impervious surface, that sanitizer can help minimize microbes on that surface. And then the other the other use, and probably what we're going to be more talking about today, is being used in produce wash water or fruit and vegetable wash water. And this could be uses like a dump tank. Maybe it's a wheelbarrow that somebody's using to wash leafy greens or spinach or any other type of, of produce wash water. But when it's added to that wash water, those sanitizers are actually going to help minimize cross-contamination. So if you think about like one, say you have spinach that, you know, it's grown really close to the ground and there's deer poop or something and it was harvested and, you know, whoever picked it didn't really realize that there was, it was contaminated. And if you think about that dirty or contaminated spinach plant, it's getting thrown into a sink with um, the rest of the bushel of spinach. That one dirty spinach or contaminated spinach with poop on it can uh, contaminate the rest of the the rest of that bushel. Um, so when we talk about using a sanitizer specifically for post-harvest water, it's really not going to sanitize or clean that that singular poopy spinach plant. What it's going to be doing is helping minimize contamination to the rest of the other leaves. So that's we're trying to keep that potential problem really, really small and trying to minimize contamination. So those are the main uses that we talk about using sanitizers on a farm. I think sanitizers really have their place, you know, really, really large farms, but also smaller farms. And I think a little bit later, we'll talk more about how to pick a sanitizer for your specific operation and pick one that that really works for you and hopefully um, gives you a bunch of benefit without high cost and, uh, you know, minimal, minimal fussiness. Yeah, that leads me right into my next question. So how can a producer find or test sanitizers that would best meet their needs and is also compliant with EPA regulations? Yeah, so that's a that's a really good question and kind of a hefty question. So I used to work right now I work for the Produce Safety Alliance and before I worked for PSA Living in Maryland, I worked with University of Maryland Extension, and a lot of my job was working with individual farms and helping them develop their food safety practices. So sometimes it was to help meet good agricultural practices audits um, so that they could expand you know, who they're selling to. But sometimes it was just working with very beginning farms and sort of helping set up best practices as they jumped into things. And I think one of the number one things I learned from that experience was no two farms are the same, right? Um, I grew up on a, a family farm as well. And keeping my family's farm in mind, you know, farms have individual practices and uh, different crops that they grow. So I think picking a sanitizer is really dependent on what farms find most important. But to kind of start off at the top, when somebody is picking out a sanitizer that might work for their farm, the first thing I recommend is um, finding a sanitizer that is EPA labeled. Uh, so that's Environmental Protection Agency. And at the beginning, when I was kind of defining sanitizers, I mentioned that sanitizers are also called antimicrobial pesticides. So that means that they are regulated as pesticides under the EPA. There is a regulation called the Federal Insecticide, Fungicide, Rodenticide Act, or FIFRA. And that essentially establishes this process of approving pesticides. This could be insecticides, fungicides, you know, other products that you might use on your farm. And what FIFRA does is essentially it's looking at environmental factors and not just the effectiveness of the chemicals, but what are some other implications with like workers and the environment that that pesticide might impact. So because sanitizers are technically a pesticide, they are 
highly recommended that those sanitizers are EPA approved. And during that whole approval process, there would be a EPA label that's developed, and that includes all of this information um, about what the sanitizer can be used for. So can it be used for food contact surfaces, something like a household bleach? Can it also be added to your flume water? So there are a number of products that kind of have double bang for your buck so that in theory, you can buy one product and use it in a couple of different ways on your farm. The EPA label will also have information uh, like what, you know, when that product, when that sanitizer is added to your flume water or your dump tech water to minimize cross-contamination, what organisms does it kill? So it has to be backed by science, by data, but does it actually kill E. coli 0157H7 or is it only labeled to kill spoilage organisms or some of those like post-harvest fungi that will minimize shelf life? So all of those things are kind of things to consider, but then the label also has information like, you know, how, how do you use it? So if you have a 50-gallon tank, how much product do you add so that you get, you know, the appropriate concentration, things like that. So the first thing I, I always recommend is trying to use an EPA approved product. And that is something that inspectors on the produce safety rule will look for. So, so I guess I would say that right up front. And there are a good number of options available. And I think every year we see industry is kind of putting, so these sanitizer companies are actually putting money into research so that there are more products available for these types of things. So that's probably the, the, the big recommendation. Um, the other ones I would say are considering, you know, how much sanitizer might you use? So a lot of these products are available in different quantities. So for example, some of these products that are more marketed for really, really big industry, you know, you might only find like a 10, 12, 20 gallon container. And for a smaller farm, A, that's really expensive. B, it's going to be difficult to measure out that amount. How do you actually get it out of the container and store it and actually go through it before it, before it goes bad? So looking at quantity, some of these products are available in like a one-gallon container, which I think is a lot more manageable. The other thing is, uh, how do you use it? We can talk about this a little bit later, but some sanitizer chemicals those that are more chlorine-based. So if you think about household bleach is um, sodium hypochlorite, you know, that is great because it's really cheap. But chlorine, just the chemistry, tends to be a little bit more finicky to work with in terms of managing pH. Organic matter, once the water has a lot of organic matter, maybe it's really cloudy uh, or turbid. Maybe there's a lot of dirt or tomato leaves or something in that water that causes the chemical to break down. So some people find products that are peroxyacetic acid or PAA tend to be a little bit easier to use. And then I would also say the cost is another factor. Um, I think it's usually a balancing act between, again, it goes back to ease of use. How easy is it to use? Can you dump it in, sort of measure the concentration over time, and you're good to go? Or do you have to manipulate the pH and, and whatnot of the water? So I guess if I, off the top of my head, those tend to be the big factors that I find are really important when a grower is looking for, you know, that initial sanitizer to use. So Donna, let's say we've made all those considerations and um you know on my family's farm we're a pretty small diversified operation we have lots of different needs prices of factor availability like you're talking about the giant containers versus something more accessible we've kind of settled on a sanitizer that we like and it's labeled for both food contact surfaces and to be used in our dunk tank water is there any reason that we should be cautious of using an all-in-one type solution like that? 
or are there any reasons that if we have a sanitizer that's working for us, why we would change or add a different product in to our cleaning and sanitizing mix? Billy, I think that's a really great question. So I personally think if you found a product that works for you, I tend to try to recommend growers find a product that works in their operation. So hopefully you don't have to, you might have to adapt some things about, you know, on packing day or um, the day that you wash all of your produce. But if you found something that works for you, the price is right, you know, it's a good quantity. You don't have to let it sit there for years and potentially go bad. We know that, you know, a lot of time when these these chemicals are sitting in a hot storeroom, you know, over the summer, we do see their efficacy go down because they'll off gas or whatnot. So I don't see any need to change out a product just because maybe there's there's something uh, latest and greatest that comes out. Um, I would caution to make sure that that product, you know, um, these label instructions, the EPA label, and also the labeling that you see on the bottle or the labeling that comes with it when you purchase a product, sometimes they are updated. You know, I mentioned that these chemicals will do research studies and sometimes they'll update the information with additional organisms that are that they found that the product is effective against. You know, sometimes there are just updates to the instructions to clarify things. So I would make sure that the product is still labeled and you're still using it according to the instructions. But other than that, I don't, I don't think there's a need to change it. If you find something that, I don't know what product you're using, but if you find something that maybe you can use it for multiple purposes or it's effective, you know, you can use it for all of the products that you are, that you want to wash or that you're packing, then I say go for it. Um, and Billy, I, I am curious because you said you found a product that works well for you. What, what do you find on your farm? What are some of the big things that make you go, okay, I like this product? Yeah, for us, it's definitely um, recommendation from peers and other farmers that we trust. Both my wife and I went through different farmer education programs, and we were exposed to different uh, food safety education opportunities and recommendations from the folks that were training us. I'm going to hesitate from recommending a particular product because we're talking about lots of different sanitizers and there are going to be different use cases for every farm. But we use something that has both, I believe, the hydrogen peroxide and the prosthetic acid in it, in a mixture. And it's then its cost and, um, and again, the, the like size and scale, honestly, for this, for our scale, even, you know, like a gallon or five gallons of sanitizers can be a lot for us in a season. And that actually ties right into my next question that I had for you, which is, I know on our farm, we're trying to get a little more standardized. Um, some of these labels are written for, you know, mixing into a hundred gallons of water, say, or a thousand gallons of water. And we may only use 30 or 40 gallons of wash water uh, in a harvest day. Are there any good recommendations you have about Um, storing, measuring, dosing out these sanitizers, um, particularly for maybe smaller growers or or folks that are using sanitizer on a smaller scale, but still want to be food safe. Yeah, I think, Billy, so first of all, thanks for sharing some of those things about how you all picked out that sanitizer on your farm. I would wholeheartedly agree. I think recommendations from peers when I work with farms, um, that's like the number one. So, you know, sometimes extension or other industry resources, but peers, I would always recommend um, going back, doing your own research. So if you hear about a product, um, making sure that you pull up that the products, you know, most of them these days have a website make sure that it's actually labeled for, you know, what you're trying to do with it. So I just wanted to mention that because these are considered pesticides. So there's the whole, you know, we often say the label is the law. So I want to make sure you all are using it legally. But I absolutely agree that I think recommendations from peers, um, we can talk about it a little bit later. But one of the resources that I've been working on just from the EPA labeling side is an Excel tool slash website where we list out a number of products 
it's not completely inclusive, but a lot of those products I hear about are from peers and other growers I work with um, saying, you know, we really like this one. And then, you know, sure enough, if it has that EPA label, we add it. And that should be a good resource that growers can look at and help kind of just give some options or it's a good starting point. Look up manufacturers, things like that. So in terms of resources and recommendations, there are a couple of resources that I love to point growers to, and I believe we can link to both of those in the show notes. So there'll be a couple of resources that I discussed today um, that we can include the links to in the, in the notes below. But the first resource that I really like is uh, by Chris Callahan um, out of University of Vermont. He is an ag engineer, and he has developed what's called a sanitizer dose calculator. Um, and it's really easy to use. It's a little web app. So you kind of go to the website and there's a couple of drop downs where you can select like the sanitizer, the use, and what it does is it helps you calculate that dilution rate. So say you have, um, you know, an 80 gallon tank that you're using, um, a dump tank, and you want to calculate the dilution rate based on your specific tub, or maybe you have a three-section sink that's, you know, much smaller quantity. It'll help you calculate and do all of that math for you. So that's one of my favorite resources. And the other one that I really like kind of goes back to that discussion we had about the quantity of sanitizer you're using. And sometimes, you know, sanitizers, you can only purchase them in like five-gallon, 10-gallon totes. Whereas for small farms, that can be really difficult to actually pour out and use. And uh, Chris, out of, out of University of Vermont, also has a fact sheet that he developed called Safely Dispensing Sanitizers. And it gives a lot of really practical tips on um, how you can kind of, well, dispense out sanitizers. So there's some recommendations on, you know, spigots that you can use or other ways of measuring it. And again, really practical. And a lot of his resources are, I think, are really helpful for smaller scale growers. So you're thinking about like, you know, using like a gallon or so at a time, not 10 gallons. So those are a couple of resources. And the other thing I want to mention is standard operating procedures. And I know when I work with growers, sometimes that word kind of makes people cringe because it means paperwork and writing things down. But having, especially for sanitizer use, um, something as complicated as using sanitizers post-harvest, you know, it's really helpful to write down some of those, some of that, some of that information. And I was actually thinking about this morning when I was making coffee because it's summertime and I'm in like full on cold brew coffee season. And um, every year this happens. And um, this is this is what I was thinking about when I was like pouring out my coffee. Every year it happens. I'm like, okay, I made cold brew for like five months last year. And then the first time I want to make it again, I, I never remember what ratios I want to use. Like what equipment did I use? So like which mason jar did I grab? And I think that type of analogy is really applicable to sanitizers as well, because I work with growers and help them set up their production. You know, maybe they worked on it the previous winter and they're like, okay, here's the equipment we're going to use. Here's how we're going to measure it out. Here's how often, you know, we think that we need to add in sanitizer. These are the specific titration kit or test strips that we use. Um, you know, things like how often they they change out their um, the water and how they, like actually how they dispense of the water. Um, all of those are you know really detailed and they might have a great system. You know it's going all well well all season. They have a great system nailed down, um, and then at come the next season they're like oh what did we use again? How do we use it? So a that's always my recommendation for actually jotting these things down into what's called a standard operating procedure. But then in terms of resources, there is a template that the National Gaps Program out of Cornell has. And that's another resource that I can we can link to in the show notes. And it's a template, meaning that it's in a Word document and it's intended to be edited. But it's really nice kind of seeing what an SOP might look like and then just totally rewriting it and changing it up to meet your operation. So I guess those would be probably the top resources that I would recommend in terms of using sanitizers. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, and uh, I love the analogy to remembering uh, how you like to make your coffee. I have the exact same issue when I try to remember, you know, 
weighing out my beans and how much water. And so, yeah, it, it can be much more accessible than folks uh, might initially think. And we have SOPs for lots of stuff in our life. Well, thanks for sharing some tips about storage and, and measuring. And I think that's a good segue into thinking about the the packing shed space. My question is, maybe you can talk about some of the uses of sanitizer in the pre-harvest setting. So maybe just talking a little bit about production water, cleaning your tools, harvest crates, all of that. Where does sanitizer kind of come into play in those pre-harvest settings? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. I think so far in my examples, we've focused more on the post-harvest because frankly, um, I think most farms, when we think sanitizers, we think post-harvest. So, you know, at harvest and then cleaning food contact surfaces, you know, where, where some of those post-harvest activities happen, maybe packing. Um, and then also we talked a little bit about actual wash water. So, so adding sanitizer to minimize contamination there. So moving pre-harvest, there is a discussion, I guess, that we could have about sanitizing pre-harvest water. So that would be, you know, irrigation water, maybe water used for like frost protection or, um, or evaporative cooling and like strawberries and things like that. The discussion is a little bit different when we talk about sanitizers used for pre-harvest because usually those quantities of sanitizers are going to be at a much lower level than when we talk about post-harvest. So, so much lower concentration. And the other thing to mention is that currently, so like in this moment, there are a really limited number of sanitizers or products that are labeled for treating pre-harvest water. So say a farm might be using a pond or something or some kind of surface water. You know, the expectation is not that they treat that water as the current regulations stand right now. So I just wanted to mention that, that I think, I don't work with very many farms that actually do treat their water. So I guess I would say that right up front. It tends to be a little bit more of a can of worms. It's it's kind of difficult. It's a different system. That's usually not my first recommendation is when working with farms is, okay, let's let's treat your production water or let's treat that water you use pre-harvest. But that said, in that I will also say that is not my specialty. But that said, it is an option. So if farms say they have a pond or or some kind of surface water because surface water tends to have a higher accounts of E. coli. So those farms do have that option of treating surface water, but the sanitizers that are labeled for that use are more minimal. And specifically when we talked about sanitizers that are labeled to treat irrigation water or agricultural water, specifically for generic E. coli or human pathogens. Currently, there are actually no sanitizers that specifically are labeled for that use for specifically human human pathogens. So like E. coli, generic E. coli, or even like a pathogenic E. coli. And that's specifically a place that I know a lot of sanitizer companies are working. But yeah, so, so that's production water. Hopefully that kind of set the stage of it's a little bit of a can of worms, but it is an option. And it might be more of an option in the future as well. So that's kind of somewhere that we see a lot of work being done in in terms of food safety research. But also thinking about some of the examples you gave, so cleaning tools, harvest crates. So thinking about maybe harvests or like preparing for harvest. A lot of those sanitizers, we talk about food contact surfaces. If you specifically look at the label, um, it usually says sanitizing food surfaces, and they'll usually say the word um, like impervious or uh, non-porous. So that might be like stainless steel or plastic or other metals. Yeah, so a lot of those sanitizers are labeled for sanitizing those food contact surfaces like tools, harvest crates. and some of those products are also labeled for post-harvest water. Much fewer are labeled for pre-harvest water, so like that irrigation water. And I will say, 
when we look at sanitizing uh, like tools, harvest crates, things like that in preparation for harvest, um, sometimes even equipment, you know, like a truck bed or parts of a tractor or whatnot, depending on what, what else that tractor is used for. Usually what we're looking at is sort of a whole process of cleaning and sanitizing. And that sanitizer is used in that last step. So first it would be, you know, cleaning off any of the dirt. You're thinking about like a asparagus cutting knife or other harvest knives. They get pretty dirty, both with dirt. And then you also have a lot of plant material on them. Um, so the first step is usually going to be using some kind of soap or detergent you know, Blue Dawn dish soap is a favorite, but that's what a lot of people use. There are other more like agricultural detergents, but getting that cleaned off first, usually, so you're going to clean it, a little bit of elbow grease, uh, rinse it off with clean water, and then adding, you know, using a sanitizer. Sometimes if you're talking about like a harvest knife, they'll just be dipped um, or they'll just be, you know, dunked into a bucket with sanitizer or something. And that last step is really going to minimize pathogenic microorganisms on, on that surface. And I will also kind of put a plug in here for sanitizers that, you know, we talk a lot about pathogens because we're talking about food safety here in this podcast. But one of the other benefits is that these sanitizers are usually also labeled for, they call them spoilage organisms or also plant pathogens. So, you know, if you're sanitizing harvest knives, that's also going to help minimize the spread of plant pathogens, you know, maybe from field to field or just, you know, day to day, depending on how often somebody sanitizes. Yeah, that's great. Um, those are a lot of considerations that I don't know, like you said, maybe pre-harvest isn't always the the main focus of sanitizer. So I'm glad you could address some of that because, you know, it is important to keep things tidy before you do the actual work of getting the vegetables in and out. And maybe you can talk about some of the purpose of sanitizer and wash and like post-harvest, maybe how we transition from the pre-harvest setting into that post-harvest. Yeah. So great question. Yeah. So moving into post-harvest, I generally, when we use a sanitizer, um, and I think this is just a really important consideration, it's not adding a sanitizer in the water and then say, dumping in, you know, your cantaloupes or your spinach or your summer squash, whatever, whatever you're washing. Um, unfortunately, a sanitizer is not intended to sanitize the surface of the product. Um, I think we all wish in food safety that there's this magic bullet that, you know, it will, it'll be a kill step and then we can move on and have, you know, really safe produce. Unfortunately, the science shows that it just doesn't quite work that way. You know, adding a sanitizer and washing product, sometimes research shows us there will be a knockdown in pathogens, maybe like a one log or two log, but it doesn't get rid of all those pathogens. And then we see that we see maybe there's there's points where those pathogens can kind of hang out and survive, and we call them harborage points. You know, if you think about the surface of a cantaloupe, all those nooks and crannies or the stem scar um, or, you know, a, a tomato that's been split um, and then kind of hardened off, you know, those could be harborage points. So unfortunately, we know sanitizers are just not, they don't sanitize the surface of the, the produce. But what they can do um, and what they do really well is reduce the risk of cross-contamination from, you know, that one dirty cantaloupe. I, I talked about spinach in an earlier an example. Or say the water somehow got contaminated and dirty, it's going to prevent contamination from one lot or like one bushel or one container of that product to another. So if there are issues, it's going to be, you know, really, really small and localized. So that's, that's really the main reason when we talk about using a sanitizer. And the other one is... Normally, when I work with growers who are washing produce, a lot of times they're going to start with, you know, municipal water or well water source, like a really good quality uh, water quality. Uh, we usually call that clean water or microbially safe water. So um, the standard is generally zero detectable or no detectable generic E. coli. And that sanitizer will let us keep that water quality at that no detectable I think those are probably off the top of my head. Those are those are usually the main examples that I tend to see sanitizers use post-harvest. So those food contact surfaces, 
but then also in, in wash water specifically. Right. So it's, it's the sanitizer. It's less about cleaning the produce from the field. It's more about preventing cross-contamination in that last area to step. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And when I, when I talk to growers, I always, I always like to phrase it like, and I know some of the other episodes of your podcast have talked about, you know, worker training considerations and uh, composting, you know, at this point, like we're, we're, so far into the production kind of side of things, this is sort of just one additional practice that can be used or one additional thing that can be done to uh, keep that, that produce really healthy and really good quality. My next question is about efficacy of sanitizers. I know, again, using just my personal experience and example, that we use a dunk tank style system and we always worry about the you know, when is the water getting cloudy? How long is the sanitizer effective in there? And I wonder if you have any information you can share about that or about other washing methods like spraying or better washers or, um, you know, conveyors and stuff like that. And if the sanitizer, you know, efficacy or when you need to change out the water or sanitizer redose is, is different for those types of washing methods. Okay. Um, so your question about efficacy, and that's that's one of the things that um, when growers are kind of nailing down, so they selected a sanitizer, um, you know, they figured out how to measure it out, how much to add. Efficacy and when to change out water is going to be one of those factors that it, it does depend on some of those things. So, um, Billy, you mentioned dump tanks. The other use we often see, if you think about, you know, packing house, you know, we talked a little bit about dunk tanks and we'll call that like recycled water or batch water. And that's when, you know, a single amount of water might come in contact with different bushels of uh, spinach or, you know, different bins of, of melons or whatnot. Um, and the, the risk is a little bit higher there because you're seeing that same amount of water contact um, various, various quantities of produce. Um, the other type that we usually see is what we call single use water. And that might be, you know, picture water that hits some produce and then it might just go down the drain. So if you're picturing like root vegetables or something really dirty, sometimes I'll see those uh, laying on a mesh table or something and somebody will just spray it over and just get that dirt off. So single use water tends to be a little bit lower risk because it's, it's just kind of hitting that, you know, single carrot or something and then going down the drain. So in terms of using sanitizers, we highly, highly recommend using a sanitizer in batch water just because it is riskier, but using it in single pass water still has its place. It's helpful to add because it can help to minimize the, the growth of biofilms on, on the equipment. But to your question about efficacy, that's going to be one of those things that you're probably going to have to play around with a little bit. So how dirty is the produce? I mentioned something like root crops, we'll say carrots. Obviously, it's going to have a lot of dirt attached to it, especially if it recently rained or, you know, like cantaloupes are laying on the ground. And we know that dirt, especially organic matter, can bind with some types of sanitizers like chlorine and make them less effective. So sort of to, to really answer your question, um, I guess those are all the caveats, but to really answer your question, that's something that I would recommend when you're figuring out how to use the sanitizer. You're just going to want to pick a method of testing the efficacy. So um, that could be a titration kit, and that's usually going to be really effective and really, really accurate. But it takes a little bit longer to use because the titration kits, it's kind of like, you know, very similar to the chlorine test kit that you might use to test pool water, but you're counting out the drops, you're kind of doing some multiplication. So titration kits are really, really accurate, but other methods are test strips. A lot of people like test strips. So what I would recommend is when you start using a sanitizer, test frequently, um, and that will help you start to figure out how often you actually need to change out the water. So that's that's probably my big recommendation. And again, as you set up the system, it might take a little bit more work, but then you can start figuring out things like, okay, I can pretty reliably know that I can run produce for 30 minutes through my dump tank. 
and before I need to add in sanitizer or change the water um, or take some kind of action. Absolutely. Yeah. To me, that sounds like it goes back to the classic thing that we talk about a lot in food safety, which is trying to understand and manage your risk. And if you take the time to educate yourself uh, up top and learn a little bit about whatever system you're running, then you can feel reasonably confident in the future that you're running your donut tank with the right amount of sanitizer and for the right amount of time. That's, that's really cool. What about getting rid of the water? Are there any concerns about, you know, I can see a lot of different situations, putting it into a municipal system. If you're an urban farm, uh, you know, I, I know on our farm, sometimes we just dump it out into a little like catchment area that has some perennial plants uh, and nothing food production wise, but you know, even trees and shrubs are there concerned with, with dumping sanitizer water onto the roots of those plants. Uh, can you use it as a gray water in a non-food producing garden or something like that? Okay. So that's a, that's a good question, Billy. And I used to live in California. Um, I live in Maryland now and I used to live in California and that was a huge topic of conversation just because, you know, water is such a limited resource there. So the First thing I would mention is in terms of produce safety specifically, thinking about what might be in that gray water. So you mentioned maybe there's sanitizer left over. There could be, you know, there could be some some concentration there. And it's also gray water because you've been using it to wash your produce. So there could be contamination too. So we do want to make sure, and this is talked a little bit about in the produce safety rule. We do want to make sure that wherever that water is is draining off is not going to contact, you know, produce. It's not a field. It's not going to contact edible produce or, you know, food contact surfaces, things like that. So you did sort of mention that food safety implication. The other one I, I want to mention is environmental regulations or implications. Mm -hmm. I know, and this is somewhere that you might need to be more familiar with like your specific state regulations or regional regulations. I know here in Maryland, Maryland Department of Environment is sort of what regulates water catchment and things like that. And again, this might be for larger farms that are draining off, you know, thousands of gallons if they have a really large flume system. Um, but that's definitely something I want to mention is that you know, some of those environmental implications, like, is it running off into a wetland and, and things like that? Those are previous discussions I've had when working with specific farms. So the other thing I will mention is, I guess the last factor is what quantity of sanitizer is, is in that water. And there are some sanitizers that are labeled for treating water um, and especially water that's, you know, used in drip irrigation or whatnot. So I would encourage anybody to check the EPA label. And a lot of times there is mention of like storage and disposal in the EPA label, but oftentimes that, that recommendation is pretty generic. Pretty much what I said of check your, check your other regulations. But those are some of the things to think of. And Billy, you mentioned that you all will sometimes um, drain off into like a perennial bed. I know some farms that, you know, their systems, you know, maybe they're using a three-section sink or something. So their systems are pretty small. And they would sort of just, you know, have it go down the drain because they did not have much sanitizer left over. But I have seen farms do the perennial garden thing or like pasture. If they have pasture land, um, that's what they'll do. And they've had success with that. And especially, you know, thinking about if there are wetland or like uh, water systems in the area, you know, having that grass to slow down the flow and, and minimize erosion and things like that. So, so I think it's not a one size fits all answer, but those are hopefully some considerations. And the last thing I want to mention is for organic farms is to make sure, so always check with your organic certifier, but make sure that the sanitizer is organic approved. And sometimes that approval will talk a little bit about discharge of water. And especially if like chlorine is used, I know in some organic systems, it's a maximum, I think of four, or they say less than four parts per million in discharge. 
and sometimes, you know, growers can get away with that by letting that off gas. So maybe they'll let that flume of water or that amount of water sort of sit overnight and then they'll check the concentration in the morning and enough chlorine has off gassed that it's really no longer an issue. So can you talk a little bit about pH considerations to make when using sanitizer? Yeah, so that's a good question. pH considerations that's going to be really dependent on the chemistry of sanitizer that you use. So I will quickly mention, I don't think I mentioned it previously. So if I have, you're going to hear about it twice. But a lot of what I've been talking about here is sort of sanitizer, we'll say considerations, labeling of sanitizer. I have not talked a lot about actual chemistries, and that's something important to consider. Um, so when I say sanitizer chemistry, I mean, are you picking a chlorine-based sanitizer, something like sodium hypochlorite and bleach, or calcium hypochlorite, or chlorine gas? Or are you picking peroxyacetic acid, which is also called paracetic acid? And Chlorine chemistry is sort of this whole other thing. So I wanted to quickly put a plug in for one of my favorite fact sheets, and we'll also link this below in the show notes. This is a fact sheet that is called, it's called Food Safety Considerations for Post-Harvest Washing of Produce and Sanitation of Packing Areas. So a couple of things I love about this fact sheet are the visuals are really, really helpful. Um, and I think this information I'm a visual person, um, and I think this information is really, really helpful to see in a visual format. And this fact sheet talks a little bit about how to select sanitizer chemistries, what you might get out of them. And then they also talk a little bit about post-harvest washing, so fruit and vegetable washing, and more sanitizing food contact surfaces. So it's a pretty short fact sheet, and, but it, it does it all, which is why I'm recommending it. So I wanted to put that plug in quickly um, before Catherine and I answered your question about pH. So um, because pH is one of those factors that is really discussed um, at length in that fact sheet and sort of the reasons beh um, behind why pH can be important. So for growers that are using peroxyacetic acid-based sanitizers, um, pH, those sanitizers are an acid. So pH is not so much a concern um, because by adding those sanitizers, the pH of the water is, is likely going to decrease a bit anyway. Um, and those sanitizers are not so impacted by, um, by pH. So it doesn't really impact the efficacy of that sanitizer. Um, but for growers that are using chlorine-based sanitizers, something like a household bleach or um, maybe like a agricultural sodium hypochlorite or calcium hypochlorite, um, the, the chlorine-based sanitizers are very impacted by, by pH. So um, for growers that are using a chlorine-based sanitizer, you're going to want to stick to a pH range of about um, six to seven and a half. And the reason is once you stray outside of that range, so for example, if a grower feels like they need to add more chlorine and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to add some, I'm gonna just going to pour in some more bleach here. Bleach has a really high pH. So if, if chlorine is, you keep adding it, that pH is going to slowly increase over time. And then that sanitizing solution is not going to be as effective. And then if the pH gets too low, then the sanitizer um, can become really corrosive to equipment. And then there's some other things that sort of happen. So for that reason, for chlorine-based solutions, we recommend that they stay between six and seven and a half. So it's one, one more variable to throw into the mix when you're, when you're working with sanitizers. Awesome. Thanks for clarifying. That's really helpful. <laughs> And maybe moving into some of the maybe not so serious chemical considerations, what about alternatives to sanitizer, maybe like vinegar or other things that people might use that are kind of household common objects? Could you could you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I occasionally get this question, especially from um, maybe smaller growers who are not 
either they're not so used to working with with pesticides because we talked about sanitizers being antimicrobial pesticides or like you said Haley they're kind of trying to use things that they might find around the house and vinegar is a is a common example that i hear about um so I will say this is not my specialty, um, but from, from what I am aware is vinegar can be effective in sanitizing. There is some research out there that shows it can be effective in generally sanitizing bacteria, not to my understanding, um, I'm not sure if there's data specifically about sanitizing pathogens, which which is really what we're talking about in, in food safety. Really want it to be effective against, you know, E. coli 0157, H7. We mentioned salmonella before, listeria. So sure. one of the downsides, I think, to using vinegar is that in the research that I have seen, it's usually used like it's warm or hot and it's used at full strength. And the contact time is pretty long. So when I've talked to growers that have sort of tried to go that route, generally it's just not a pleasant experience. You know, it's, it's hot vinegar. It's, it's really, really smelly. Mm -hmm. um, and when you talk about having to use a sanitizer or a product for a long contact time, that means that it's sitting on there for a while and they have to smell it for longer. And they're kind of waiting for it to, to sit there and be effective. Um, whereas a lot of the products that, you know, we've been talking about have a much shorter contact time. Um, so sort of after we have that, that conversation, that holistic conversation, oftentimes the growers I've worked with have sort of been like, you know, what, we're going to, we're going to go through, we're going to maybe find a product that we can use for several purposes on the farm. Like we talked about with Billy earlier. Um, and that's the route they go. So, so yeah, not my specialty, but that's sort of been my anecdotal experience in working with some growers. Cool. Maybe you can talk about how often growers should sanitize and is it possible to sanitize too much on your farm? Yeah. So the first, so I guess the first thing that pops into my head when you ask me that question is sanitizing like the quantity. So how often might somebody sanitize? And like we talked about, I think that decision really goes into how does cleaning and sanitizing fit onto your farm? So usually I, I would say you can't really sanitize too often. Um, some growers, you know, some food safety audits will require sanitizing between every use. So if you think about like harvest bins, um, they'll sanitize, you know, every time, you know, at the end of the day, that's just part of their routine. They're cleaning up things or they're, they're going to clean and sanitize before they put their harvest knives or whatnot away or their harvest bins. Others, just because that is too much, others will say, you know, we're going to accept a little bit more risk and we're just going to sanitize less frequently. But I think that goes into the kind of the farm operations, kind of goes into one of those decisions. And there are, you know, produce safety rule does require sanitizing between every use to, to help minimize risk. So mm -hmm. kind of goes into, into that decision. But the other thing that popped into my head when you asked that question is, can you sanitize too much by, in terms of, if you add a little bit of sanitizer, can you add too much sanitizer? And that is definitely a yes. So I've, I've worked <laughs> with some growers who are like, yeah, you know, I, I add bleach to my water and they, they, they do the glug test. So they're like, oh, glug, glug. Yep. That, that should be good. I can smell it a little bit. So usually for those farms, one of the first things we talk about is, okay, let's let's um, use test strips or a titration kit. Let's figure out how we're going to actually measure the amount of sanitizer in the water. Because going back to the label in the instructions, that sanitizer, those instructions will have, you know, specific dilutions and specific concentrations that if you're adding too much proxyacetic acid or a bleach, then we know that. A, it can go outside of like legal boundaries um, and it might, you might be uh, mm. making it less effective. Yeah. Wow. So no, don't, don't do the glug glug. Make sure you measure. <laughs> yeah. No glugs. <laughs> <laughs> Could you take some time to talk about the sanitizer tool that you've been developing at PSA and maybe when and where people can find that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So one of, I guess I'll call it my pet projects. One of my projects over the years has been developing what we call the sanitizer tool. And essentially this started years back because we were working with, with some growers who were trying to pick out a sanitizer to use on their farm. And these growers were actually getting gap audits. So what was happening is that they would find a dollar store bottle of bleach and they would be using it on the farm. And then it turns out, you know, they would have their gap audit, their good agricultural practices audit. And the auditor would be like, this product is not, does not have an EPA label. Like you, you should not be using this in your produce wash water. And then we kept getting questions like, well, what can we use? And we didn't want to, you know, we want to give growers a choice because there's a lot of options out there. So we didn't want to give like the same three recommendations over and over again. So we started an Excel tool, which is how it is currently available. And we'll link the link to the show notes. Um, we'll include that resource. And um, essentially it is an Excel tool with right now it has about 75 or so products listed and everything from alternate brand names to what is the active ingredient? You can sort by, you know, I want to see sodium hypochlorite. I want to see bleach options, or I want to see proxyacetic acid options. Um, and then my favorite section is it has this EPA label section where you can filter and sort by use. So maybe like Billy, you are a grower who wants to find a product that they can use for, you know, food contact surfaces and produce wash water you can kind of sort by that and find EPA-labeled products that meet that need. And then we also have talk a little bit about organic. Is it is it OMRI listed? So what I will say is that we are in the process of turning that Excel tool into a more easy-to-navigate web app, and we're kind of in the final stages of vetting it with external people. So we're just kind of getting input on, is it usable? Um, are there recommendations? So we're hoping pretty soon that that web app will be available online uh, or publicly, and it'll just be a little bit easier to use. Great. Well, we're really excited to see that app when it comes out, and I'm sure that some of the listeners will definitely also be really excited to have that in their hands. Yeah. I'm the excited for everybody else to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Lots yeah. of hard work. Yeah. Fruits of your labor. Great. Well, do you have any final words of sanitizing wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? <laughs> um, let's see. I, I think you guys have asked some really great questions. I can't think of anything else that I have other than, you know, there's, a lot of people out there doing making really great resources. So I think previously sanitizers have been a very, and they still are, honestly. Um, when I work with growers, I think it's like, okay, worker training. Yes, there's a lot of details involved. But like the thing that I would get the most questions about and sort of see the most hesitancy was like, okay, let's talk about sanitizers. Like, where do I begin? So I just, I guess I would pass along that um, the resources that I've, that we've talked about today, I think they're a really, really good start. So that's where I would recommend beginning and it doesn't have to be that complicated. So just kind of pick a product, go with it, and then give yourself some time. So I always recommend starting like in a winter season, if you can, just playing around, measuring out dilutions. Mm -hmm. um, that way, when things get going, you can sort of jump in and, you know, you'll, you'll adjust it on the fly. Great. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot, a lot of resources out there and we'll make sure to link a lot of them for your viewing delight. <laughs> awesome. Well, Donna, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This has been a really illuminating conversation. So awesome. I'm excited for other people to listen in. Yeah. Thank, thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Donna. Thank you so much, Donna. Yeah. You make sanitizers so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Make sure to check out Cornell's website to find some more Crew Safety Alliance resources. You can find them at https backslash cals.cornell.edu slash produce safety alliance slash resources. And we'll also make sure to have those linked in our show notes. If you're interested in learning more about NFU and the work that we do, check out our website at www.nfu.org. And finally, thank you to our sponsor. This podcast is supported by the Food and Drug Administration of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services as a part of a financial assistance award to U01FD00691-03, totaling $1 million with 100% funding by FDA HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by FDA HHS or the U.S. government. I'm Catherine Kavanaugh, and this has been the Food Safety Dish. Tune in next time for our season finale. See you then.